Welcome to the Life of Christ series for term three. This is lesson 24. We're going to continue exactly where we left off in chapter 15 and uh, page 22. We're now in John chapter 5 and verse 38. I've said here, now added to these two areas of ignorance, when we get to John chapter 5 and 38, Jesus now goes on to bring out the third area of ignorance that the Jews suffered from with him saying there, but you do not have his word abiding in you. Because whom he sent, him you do not believe. Now notice first of all what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say that they didn't have God's word. What he did say was they didn't have God's word abiding in them. Do you understand? So now comes the separation between a religious person and a true Christian. Okay, We can all believe in the same God. We can all say that we believe in the Bible, but there's a difference between believing in the Bible and having the Bible in you. Are you all with me? Amen? Alright. So, the distinction made here is of great significance. Even today, I've said here, a lot of people have the Scriptures in the form of a Bible, but very few have the Scriptures abiding in their heart. And the way he, um, he knows that these Jews don't have God's Word abiding in them, is because of their refusal to believe. See, that just tells you straight away. A lot of times when you're ministering to people, or talking to people, you know, so-called Christians, brothers and sisters, and you know, sometimes they kind of go, oh, I don't know if I believe that. Straight away, to, you know, when, when I run into that anyway, straight away I know that they obviously don't know enough of the Bible. Uh, and even though they're saying they're a Christian, you know, you can say you're a Christian, and still not have anything in you. You know, you're one of those empty vessels. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. Um, and so, don't try to preach a whole message to people and, and, and preach a whole doctrine to them if they don't know something. Just kind of go, okay. Well, you know, Unless they want to know. There are some people, let me say this to balance it on the other side. There are some people that don't know a lot, but gee, they want to know. Okay. And you start talking and... You know, they, they might say, well, I don't know that. But they don't stop there. They say, tell me more. And so you start talking to them, and it's like they suck everything out of you that you know. You know, everything from, from contents to maps, you know. <laughs> everything in between, you just go, okay, that's all I know. And there have been instances when people have done that with me. So they are ignorant not because of a lack of interest, but because there was, there was, it was a lack of teaching. Nobody has actually taught them. You know, and praise God for that, you know, when you run into somebody like that. But however, um, what Jesus is dealing with is people that don't want to know. Amen? And you're going to run into those people as well. And that's what, you know, no matter how enthusiastic you are about the Word, no matter how excited you are about the Word, resist the temptation to preach to them. Can I say that? Because everything that you say to them, is, they're going to be choking on it. And all they'll do is say to themselves, I'm never going to talk to that person again. How do you know that? Because I was that person. <laughs> okay? I was a person who would preach to anything that stood still long enough, and I didn't care if they were listening. And one day I realized that I was making enemies of people. Truly. And I only found out later on that that was the case. You know, when somebody reprimanded me for you know, pushing my, my theology down everybody's throat kind of thing. I was just giving him good news, but obviously that was my theology. Isn't it funny how people fight for the right to fail? 
I think that's extraordinary. <laughs> anyway, all right. So let's, <laughs> let's get back to this. Leon Morris writes, The psalmist laid up God's word in his heart. In Psalm 119 verse 11. But they, the Jews, in contrast, okay, do not share his religious experience. Had they done so, they would have received that word from Jesus. In other words, this tells us something. Had they had the word of God in their heart, it would have rung true in their, in, in their spirit what Jesus was saying. Because everything that Jesus would have said, and this is really important, everything that Jesus would have said would have been based on Scripture. And so they would have found Scriptures within themselves that would have risen up and met that, and sort of said, yeah, that's right, that was in Isaiah, that was in Jeremiah. That, you, you know, they, that's what would have happened. You know, a lot of times when I'm, when I'm listening to people preaching, that's what's going on on the inside of me. You know, they're saying something, I think, yeah, that's in John, yep, that's in Luke, you know, that's in wherever, Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter. Why? Because there is a resonance there. I know when, when, the, wor- when the Word is being preached, and I also know when doctrine is being preached. Now, you know, one thing I do with you guys, okay, is whenever I'm going to do a soapbox, I tell you I'm putting my soapbox down, I'm going to get up on it and go on for a minute. Okay, <laughs> all right? And those are my pet peeves and stuff. And I'll let you, it's very rare it happens, if you've noticed, okay? But I will let you know when it's one of those things. Okay, because you're not going to find the Word of God for it. <laughs> okay, all right? So don't go looking. But <laughs> everything else I say is coming from the Word of God. Are you all here? And because you guys know this so well now, don't be surprised, you know, when you hear something that's not right, you pick up on it straight away. Do you, do you know how, I think I've mentioned this before, do you know how they train people to identify uh, counterfeit notes, you know, money? is by letting them handle the real thing so, for so long that they get to the place where as soon as you hand them something that's counterfeit, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. Straight away, all, everything about them is going, this, this, this looks like a, you know, like a hundred dollar bill. It doesn't feel like one. There's something off about this. It would take a lot before you picked up what it was, but that's how you get trained up. So, so that's what I believe happens when you hear the Word of God sufficiently and the right way. Then you get to the place where when, the, you know, when a counterfeit comes, you go, it ain't right. It sounds right, <laughs> but it ain't right. Something wrong with this. Something is wrong. Amen? So praise God. Okay. But these people obviously didn't have that. To this, D.A. Carson adds, since Jesus is the very Word of God, remember again, John 1, 9, the Jews have no time for Him. It follows that they share neither in the experience of, nor the blessing upon, say for example, Joshua and the psalmist, both of whom hid God's Word in their hearts, meditating on it, learning not to sin against God, and understanding that divine blessings in their lives was vitally dependent on the indwelling of this word. See, they understood that if they kept God's word, that's what caused them to succeed. That's what caused them to be victorious in life. That's what gave their life meaning. In um, Ecclesiastes, it talks about how useless life is without the word of God. And that's really true. It's really interesting. I can tell a difference when I'm not in the word and when I'm in the word. 
You know, when I'm actually in the Word of God, and I'm listening to the Word of God, I'm studying the Word of God, whatever it is, okay? I know you guys don't have time to study it as much, you can, but you can still listen to it. You know what I'm trying to say, okay? You'll find that everything that you do in life has flavor to it. You know, whether you're watching movies, you're going out, God's there talking to you. It's an awesome thing. You know, and so that fills your life up. And you can have a person that goes to the same places, sees the same things, you know, experiences the same things, and it's all empty to them. And the difference is what's inside. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen? All right. So this is, this, that's what they're bringing out here, and then just to give you some sort of you know, insight into this. And again, this is, this, this is what he's saying, that they're not experiencing, okay, because they don't have the Word of God in their heart. So their life is dry, and you know, they're like dry wells, running around, and then accusing this fountain of living water of doing all the wrong things on the wrong days. Incredible, isn't it? Okay. Therefore, failure to believe in Jesus again is evidence enough that however detailed the Jews thought their understanding of the law was, remember how they used to always nitpick at things? Okay? The fact remained that they never really got it. There was no real revelation, and therefore no real obedience to it. In fact, William MacDonald says that even though these Jews had the Old Testament scriptures, they did not allow God to speak to them through the scriptures. Their hearts were hardened, and their ears were dull of hearing. And so Jesus goes to say, verse 39, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. See, now he's bringing this out. He's saying, you, you know, see, this is where you can go from being analytical to where you just look at the scriptures and instead of the Lord speaking to you, you just read words on a page. And you interpret them. See, this is when it gets dangerous. When people don't have God to talk to them about His Word, which they're reading, and they start making up stuff and reading into things, uh, you know, into the Word, things that are not actually there. And then come up with doctrines which the Jews had done. This is exactly what has happened. The Jews have read the Word without God, come up with their own ideas about what the Word was saying, and then instituted laws of their own, that when the actual Word of God came in living form, okay, it was wrong. Because they started accusing him based on their reasonings and their understanding of the scripture, what he should and shouldn't be doing. Which tells us they were getting it really, really wrong. We see that today. Let me just bring it to today for a minute. People can get up there and preach using the gospel, using the word of God, and like I said, just because they read it out of the word, doesn't mean that they're interpreting it correctly. Because remember again, it is the rightly divided word that we're looking for, not the wrongly divided one. Amen? Okay? So we see a classic case here of people that had all of the law of God at their disposal, and didn't understand any of it, to the degree that they didn't even recognize it when it walked up. Dear Carson writes, The Jewish leaders of Jesus' day were undoubtedly diligent students of the Scriptures. They needed no exhortation along these lines. But Jesus points out that their primary motivation in such diligent study was the hope of final acceptance by God. You think that 
by them you possess eternal life. So all they were looking for was how do I get into heaven? Christians that are only concerned about getting to heaven are only thinking about what they need to do to get there. So any help they give you as well will be, okay God, was that good? Would you let me in now? They they didn't do it because they cared for the person, they do it because they care for themselves. Because they're looking for another notch, they're looking for, you know, just another confirmation that they're going. And that kind of help isn't the best kind of help. Because it's selfish. See, what Jesus is talking about here, and what we're seeing here, is the heart behind everything that you do. That's why in the Sermon on the Mount, when we're going to get to that, He's going to talk about doing the right thing for the right reason, and doing the right thing for the wrong reason. And there's a difference between the two. You know, we are so programmed to just seeing somebody do the right thing, and we're happy they did the right thing. But Jesus is saying, you need to be doing the right thing for the right reason. Amen? And these Jews, their motivation for, the word, for reading the Word of God was wrong. They were looking for how they could get there, not about how God could talk to them. And what he would say through his word to them. Because had they done that, God would have started talking to them about his son coming down. They, they would have started to get something. You know, things would have jumped out of the scriptures. You know, maybe they keep opening, you know, maybe the scroll of Isaiah kept rolling on the ground and opening up. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say, okay? As opposed to us opening a Bible. And he kept saying, you know, he shall bear your sicknesses and carry your diseases. And, you know, the little rabbis going, why am I reading all this stuff? This is all to do with the Messiah. And then Jesus turns up and you go, ah, I get it. Instead of that happening, Jesus turns up and goes, who are you? What do you want here? I don't think you're from God. Think you're working with the devil, is what they're going to say to him. Alright, Carson continues. Hillel, a famous and great Jewish rabbi, affirms that the more study of the law, the more life. And that if a man gained for himself the words of the law, he has gained for himself life in the world to come. Now, there is a certain truth to this. Because the word of God is alive. Amen? And it is powerful and so on and so forth. But, see again, right thing, wrong reason. Right? The, the, The thing was... In reading this, in the way they interpreted it and the way they saw it, they thought, well, if that's the case, then you know, I'm not going to help anybody, I'm just going to help myself. Because the more stuff I read, the better it is for me. So I don't have time to go help you. See how you then become divorced from you know, doing the works of... See, Jesus didn't sit there and go, well, everybody go away, I'm reading the Word all day today. No, He would go away, He would pray, and then He would go down and He would be healing and doing all sorts of incredible things. The time he spent with God was so that he could do something. Amen? For God and with God for people. Amen? Amen. Okay. In other words, the Jews believed that not only is life found in the scriptures, but notice that they went on to link the study and memorization of scriptures with salvation. By contrast here in this verse, Jesus insists that there is nothing intrinsically life-giving about studying the scriptures if one fails to discern their true content and purpose. Amen? R. Kent Hughes says, when we come to God's word, we must look beyond the letter for the principles and then apply them to our lives. In fact, the Apostle Paul understood that the law in itself was not life-giving. 
And so wrote in Romans chapter 7 verse 10, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because he's, he's talking about living by the law, not living in the spirit. And this is what the Jewish leaders had come to. They had taken what God had given them and made it into laws that caused people grief. <laughs> okay? And so, you know, you can take anything that you read and you can either see gla- the glass half full or the glass half empty. Kind of a thing. You know what I'm trying to say? Amen? And so, you know, what, what happened was they would see something and they would interpret it in such a way that it would, be, it would become a burden for the people. So that they were putting heavy loads on people's backs. Which is again why Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. And that's, that's really what we need to be doing as well as, as the body of Christ. We're not here to sort of bring judgment on people. Amen? You know, we're here to bring hope. We're here to bring life. Are you all with me? Alright. But these people were not doing that. And again, that's why the Apostle Paul says here, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. He goes and explains what he means in Galatians chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Well then, is there a conflict between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could have given us new life, we could have been made right with God by obeying it. Watch that. Okay. See, in other words, he's saying, if we could have done this on our own, there was no reason for Jesus to come and die. If we just obeyed the law, we would have gone to heaven. Remember what that rabbi was saying? That that's what you need? Okay, alright. But the scriptures have declared that we are all prisoners of sin, so the only way to receive, God, uh, to receive God's promise is to believe in Jesus Christ. In other words, the cross. Amen? Because it's only... Through the price that was paid, could we then receive eternal life? Not by doing good. That's why, see, again, this comes back to the fact that no matter how much good you do, that's not going to guarantee you're going to go to heaven. The only thing that guarantees you're going to heaven is the cross. Is what Jesus did. Because the price was paid in full. And we, all we need to do is receive that. Amen? And we get that new creation. After that, Everything that we read should come you know, uh, with a new light, so to speak. Because the Spirit of God in us will, will start to identify with what we're reading. And we'll sort of look at something and go, oh, I know what that means. It's, it, it's really interesting. Let me just give you this little testimony really quickly. It was really interesting. You know, this, this guy was saying how you know, he, was, he would read the Bible. Um, and it just didn't make sense to him. You know, and, and somebody said, why don't you get saved? Blah, blah, blah. He goes, well, what's the point? No, no, this makes sense anyway. He goes, well, get saved and it'll make sense. You know, so he thought, well, all right. You know, <laughs> let's see if that's true. And he truly gave his heart to the Lord. You know, he said, okay, I really do want to, which is the reason why I was reading the Bible, okay. He said, I do really want to, know. if this is what's going to get me to understand it, then okay, I'm happy to do this. You know, I'm happy to receive you. And oh my Lord, you know, <laughs> he received the Lord and, you know, was saved. And he said, Things that he had written, uh, read the day before that just made absolutely no sense to him. Following his, con- like, you know, following his, his conversion, and, and I don't like to use the word conversion, but he's being born again from above, okay? Following that event, he said everything started to make sense. He, and then he was thinking, how come I didn't get this before? I mean, it's so simple. Isn't that interesting? See, that's why the Bible says that, you know, this word is foolishness. 
to people who are perishing. Anybody that's not saved, not born again, they don't understand, can't read the word. It's a spiritual book. That's why people, that, let me give you this now. That's why people that are not saved, you know, the atheists and stuff, they'll pull apart the Bible and say, this isn't right, that isn't right, and they'll, they'll come at it from a place because they don't understand anything that is actually saying. And what they're doing, in trying to show you that what you believe is wrong, they're actually showing their ignorance and their blindness. Don't ever be um, threatened by them. Do you hear me? You know, I know they can come up with all these flowery words and everything. Don't ever be threatened by them. All you need to understand is, if they're fighting it, if they're saying everything is wrong with it, it's showing you how much is wrong with them. That's all it is. Are you all here? Amen? And, and you know, be sorry, don't be mad. You know, okay. Alright. So the reason, following Galatians 3.22, the reason being is that Jesus Christ has fulfilled and accomplished everything required by the law. And so all who believe in Him are made right with God. Did you get all of that? See, because Jesus fulfilled all of the law, when we receive Him, we actually receive everything He did. That's why it's not our righteousness, but His righteousness. Do you understand the meaning of that now? If He did it right, then in receiving Him, God says, you've done it right. Okay, let me continue here. That's what the Apostle Paul brings out in Romans 10.4 when he says, Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Amen. Do you all understand that? As we receive Him, we receive everything all in one package. Hallelujah. So returning to John 5.39, we'll finish in the next minute or so. Once again, what we now understand that Jesus is saying here when He says, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of Me, is that, just like John the Baptist, the Scriptures, when they are rightly understood, actually point away from themselves and to Him. Isn't that interesting? Because all the scriptures were talking about Jesus in one form or the other. In fact, all the sacrifices did it. Everything did it. It's incredible they missed it. William MacDonald says that the main subject, we'll finish in this spot here. The main subject of the Old Testament was the coming of Christ. If anyone misses that in studying the Old Testament, he or she misses the most important part of it. So, if you miss that one point in reading all the Old Testament, you missed everything. Because it was all about Him. Everything, you know, as, as you read through the whole Old Testament, everything pointed to Him. Every, every sacrifice that they made, every um, uh, symbol that they had, you know, even the, 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 the snake um, on, on, the, on the pole. That was Jesus as well. It was to show that, that He was going to take away the sin of the world. It was an incredible thing, you know. There was, there's so much in all of that. So D.A. Carson goes on to conclude, if, if therefore some of the Jews refuse to come to Jesus for life, that refusal constitutes evidence that they are not reading their scriptures as they were meant to be read. And that's exactly what Jesus brings out when He goes on to say, uh, in John 5.40, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. So we're going to leave it there for today and pick up right at that point. It's sad, isn't it? The giver of life was right in front of them and they kept rejecting him and refusing to receive that life from him. 
All right, let's have every head bowed, every right close. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you, Father, for all the insight and, and wisdom and revelation that we have received. And we thank you for these scriptures. We thank you, Father, for what you are doing in us through these scriptures. And, and I just thank you, Father, that as we grow in these things, that we will become more and more your children, able to see through all the things that the enemy might try to do, and walk in the Spirit, just as Jesus was in the Spirit when he was down here. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. You're all dismissed.